episode 92. Say cheese. I'm Morgan Shortle, and you're listening to the October 21st, 2009 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. world of digital photography where some people take more photos before breakfast than any of us take in a year, it's sometimes hard to remember that photography wasn't as easy as point and shoot. Many images of small town Kansas would not exist without the efforts of dedicated photographers who documented their communities using cumbersome equipment. Join collection specialist Donna Ray Pearson and me as we examine a camera, a pioneering woman photographer, and a collection of early glass plate negatives that were nearly lost to history. And then, with Halloween being just over a week away, we'll connect William Allen White to Bram Stoker, author of the classic vampire novel, Dracula. What fiendish and spooky web connects the Sage of Emporia with this Irish novelist who gave us one of the most classic villains of all time? Find out when we play Six Degrees of William Allen White. But first, say cheese! Good morning, Donna Ray. Good morning, Morgan. Uh, today we're going to talk about a photographer, her camera, and a collection of glass plate negatives that were lost nearly to history. Um, but first, can you tell us about the photographer? Well, Alice Gardner Sinrek is her name, and she was born in Kansas about 1878 in the town of Winchester. Her father then moved to um, Valley Falls, Kansas in about 1880. He was a newspaper man, and he started he started a newspaper there, so. And that's in northeast Kansas, right? That is northeast. Yes, yes. that sounds good. <laughs> yes, northeast Kansas. It's a few miles up the road from uh-huh. Topeka, basically. So, um, but it's a small town, a small community, mm-hmm. and it's stayed that way for several years. But Alice um, was raised there, and uh, at some point in time, she learned about the craft of photography and. She worked as a photographer for about 30 or 40 years in that town. So. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was it unusual for women to pursue photography? Yes and no. Um, Alice, you know, going to, she did graduate from high school, but I'm not quite sure when. So at that point, a woman normally either got married at that point in time and started raising children, mm-hmm. or if she decided not to marry, which Alice at that point didn't marry, um, she could have ended up being, you know, the owner of a hotel or maybe a teacher, um, a very female kind of job. So in order for her to get into photography, um, but it, but there are cases of women getting into photography at this point because there were no, it wasn't, it was a field that was still pretty wide open to anybody. So if you took the time to learn how to do it, you could make yourself a name in photography. Well, and her father was the news had a newspaper, right? So I'm sure that probably helped out quite a bit. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. She was probably hanging out in the um, press room or something like that because there were no boys in the family. There were only two girls, ah. so there were no boys. Uh, can you tell us about her uh, photographs of Valley Falls and how were they significant? Well, Valley Falls um, 
photographs are really documents of, of a bygone era. Like I said, she worked for about 30 or 40 years, since we're not quite sure when she actually picked up the camera. So you're talking about looking at how Valley Falls evolved over time. And as a photographer, you go out and you practice shooting and, you know, you take random images, it seems like. But what she was really doing was recording a visual record of that town. So, you know, when she started her career, Main Street would have looked one way. There would have been such and such a building and that building. But by the time she finished, um, I'm sure Valley Falls Valley Falls had completely changed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking at the band from 1904 versus looking at a girls' softball game from 1930, you know, you can really see the differences in how the town would have evolved over time. What sort of community events did she photograph? It looked like she went to, but it looked like she took her camera everywhere. And we're talking a big camera here. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm sure at some point she might have taken a smaller one. It's not that pocket size. <laughs> no, it's not the pocket size one. Not the little skinny one and a half yeah. inch camera you stick in your purse anymore. Um, so she, from what I could tell, she just went about everywhere. She went to ball games. She took pictures of clubs and different events. Um, and she was also a commercial photographer, so she would have been set up in her studio. So she also has the, the different people that were in town during those time periods, too. So can you talk a little bit more about her equipment? You just, we just alluded to that just a little yeah. bit. Oh, Alice had a great collection of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we received in our collection about 140 pieces. So there were things from her studio, her commercial business. There are also things from her dark room and then her personal cameras also. I mean, one of my favorites was was a little camera for that mm -hmm. time period. And you kind of wonder what kind of pictures it ended up taking. But I think I read in a newspaper article that her dark room and her studio were state of the art for the time period. Wow. So that's pretty impressive. I just wonder what that would look, what state of the art was back then? <laughs> well, state of the now. art was still probably um, pretty basic, rudimentary to what we can think of today. I mean, um, you have to remember, dark rooms were pretty hazardous places. <laughs> you know, uh, you could you, you could blow yourself up. Um, you could get really high on the fumes. You could asphyxiate. So, you know, not only was it kind of unusual for a woman, but the fact that she also assumed some of those risks mm -hmm. was kind of cool too. So in addition to Alice's camera equipment, the Kansas Historical Society received a donation of her glass plate negatives, but not from Alice herself. Um, can you tell us about how that donation happened? Um, yes, it's, it's a kind of a cool story too. Mm -hmm. Dale Irwin was one of her neighbors. Um, she befriended, you know, the two families lived next door to each other for a number of years. So I guess at some point in time, he got to know Alice pretty well. Um, Alice, and in, in, in the latter part of her life, uh, she lost her eyesight, which is kind of devastating for a photographer. Yeah. But I guess retained most of the things within the house. So when Dale, when um, Alice finally passed away along with her husband, they were cleaning out the house. 
and Dale was going by um, a trash can and noticed all of her glass plate negatives in the trash. Can you imagine no, that? Wow. No. <laughs> so, and I guess they were recorded pretty well as to what they were and what events they were, and they were just being casually tossed away by somebody. Wow. We don't know who, because Alice and her husband never had children, so there was no one else to pass this on to. So he retrieved them from the trash, and um, he hauled them down to Topeka and made a donation to our organization. Yeah, that was very nice of him. Yes, it was. <laughs> I think there are still he has there are still copies of images in Valley Falls, but um, and we have copies of the photographs. So yeah. does does the community know about her now? Oh yes, yes. The Valley Falls Historical Society um, pays tribute to her. Oh, okay. They have some of her photographs hanging within their building, and they also tell her story. Oh, cool. Um, so I introduced you as the museum's collection specialist, but our listener, listeners will be in interested to know that you're a photographer as well. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> and you've shown your work here at Topeka. Mm -hmm. So how would you rate Alice's work? Alice's work is probably about a 10 plus plus. <laughs> and well, the reason why I say that it's partly because I know the process she had to go yeah. through to get those images. That's just an art in itself. You yes, know, it's like that yes. whole process. There, it's a craft that um, is hard to replace at this point in time. It was even more difficult for her, you know, because the equipment was so much bigger. But um, I love black and white images. There's just something very... I don't know about nostalgic, them. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I have that sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. Nostalgic. <laughs> um, so yes, Alice was, and she also um, was had to be some sort of trained artist or artist in her own right in terms of watercolors because there are also watercolor paintings of hers, oh, okay. and we don't have any. That's too bad. And I think she also um, a very feminine um, art was to decorate. Plates. Oh, right. So yeah. I think she also taught people how to decorate plates. So she had a good eye to uh -huh. begin with. So she could capture a person's essence pretty well. Yeah, you know, a family must have supported her as well. I mean, just to continue doing these things that most women weren't doing. And which I think is um, interesting is she didn't get married until she was in her 30s. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Which that is was a really, long yeah, time. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing good right now. I'm happy. She had her own business. It was successful. Yeah. I um, guess she didn't need a man. Yeah. <laughs> but then they were married for like 50 some years, yeah, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, so when she found, maybe it was just waiting for the right one. Yes. yes. <laughs> so uh, finally, uh, do you miss the good old pre-digital pre days when you had to do your film, own film developing? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> There's something very magical about the process of picking a particular film, loading it in your camera, then going out and getting those shots, coming back, mm -hmm. developing the film, and then spending hours in the dark room um, perfecting an image to communicate what you say. Not saying that I don't do that with digital because I've embraced the digital. <laughs> I have a digital camera. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about that dark room high I miss. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Great. Thank you, John. All right. All right. All right. And now it's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White.
Joining me today is Museum Director Bob Kekeisen. Hello. And Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman. Hello. Okay, if you, if I asked you, following Christmas, what's the second most decorated holiday in the United States, what would your answer be? Uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> if you said Shrove Tuesday, you'd not only be very wrong, but you'd be positively <laughs> clueless. Well, that's going to be my answer, so. <laughs> um, the correct answer, of course, is Halloween. Ah, of course. Mm -hmm. So with next week uh, marking yet another round of greedy little kids blackmailing you for candy, we thought it'd be a great time to connect our favorite Kansas newspaper editor to something befitting the season. So we asked you to connect William Allen White to Bram Stoker, the author of Dracula. Bob, can you give us a little background on Mr. Stoker? You bet. So, well, Abraham Stroker. Stroker. Well, unfortunately, he died of a stroke, so maybe that was on. Oh, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Abraham Stoker, who is better known by the shortened version of his first name, Bram, uh, was born in 1847 in Ireland, and he was a sickly child and spent a good part of his early years bedridden until he started school at age seven which I think is kind of interesting because it seems like a lot of creative types you hear spend the early part of their life bedridden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Voltaire, uh, Descartes, <laughs> Charles Dickens, uh, even Mel Brooks. Oh. Sickly child, so I guess that gives them time to work the on The trauma, it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. and they just thinking time. Yeah. lay there and work on their imaginations. And, so is that what our problem is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Stoker, later in life, commented on this and said, the leisure of long illness gave opportunity for many thoughts which were fruitful according to their kind in later years. So I don't know if he's particularly conjuring up the idea of Dracula uh, at that point yes. in his young life. Uh, <laughs> could be a little creepy. Uh, but evidently having a lot of time alone with his thoughts obviously did something for him. Uh, well, he went on to attend Trinity College in Dublin where he developed an interest in the theater and eventually became a theater critic for the uh, Dublin Evening Mail. And then uh, he was married in 1878, moved to London, and became the business manager for the Lyceum Theatre. And he did that most of his career. In fact, he was much better known in London as this uh, manager of this very prominent theatre. Um, it was owned by the famous actor Henry Irving, and a lot of people knew him from that. But he supplemented his income by writing. And in 1897, he turned out what has come to be known the classic vampire novel, Dracula. Uh, he'd go on to write several other novels and collections of short stories after Dracula, but it's far and away his best known work. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, he did have a stroke and uh, died in London on April 20th, 1912, at the age of 65. So. Great, thanks, Bob. And Nikayla, I believe you have a solution. I do. And thanks for Bob <laughs> telling me how to pronounce Lyceum. Oh. oh, is that working to the answer? It does, it does, yeah. I'm good. Um, okay, so as Bob said, we know um, Bram Stoker now as being the author of Dracula, but he was also known for being a business manager of the Lyceum Theater in London, which was owned by Henry Irving. And while working for Irving, Stoker did a lot of traveling all over the world, including to the United States. And during his trips here, he often visited the White House and met, and during that time, he met both William McKinley and Theodore Roosevelt. And since everybody already knows William yeah. Helen White's connection to the Roosevelt's, I had to go the other way. Uh -huh. So um, <laughs> uh, William Allen White covered the nomination and election of McKinley, and it was during this campaign that William Allen White was driven to write the famous article, What's the Matter with Kansas, after a run-in with a group of populists in a, on the street in Emporia. Yeah. So cool. there you go. Okay, so 
again, are, I guess we'll, we'll have to find some more uh, 21st century people to connect yeah. to. So. <laughs> really, we should just play, I guess, Six Degrees of Teddy Roosevelt. Thanks to Kayla. Um, Bob, would you like to issue the challenge for the next episode? Sure. Well, our next podcast will be within days of the conclusion of the World Series. And that's whether it goes four games or seven games, we're going to be right in there at the end of the World <laughs> Series. And this is the first World Series that's actually scheduled to end in November. Good grief. I know. Isn't that? That's a long baseball season. That's disheartening. Well, actually, the, <laughs> the 2001 World Series did end on November 4th, but that was because of a week-long delay in the regular season due to the events of September 11th. But this is the first season they've actually scheduled it. It's going to end in November. So, you know, for everyone who was my age that, you know, grew up skipping school to watch the World Series when it was played in the daytime like God intended. <laughs> and they weren't wearing coats and yes, things. Yeah. And, uh, there wasn't snow on the field. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, anyway, so in honor of the close of the baseball season, and I guess we should pose for a moment of silence, but anyway, uh, we'd like you to connect William Allen White to Abner Doubleday the supposed inventor of baseball. Mm, intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think you can connect William Allen White to a noted Civil War general, who most people think is the father of our national pastime, just send your solution to podcasts at kshs.org. That is podcasts with an S. That concludes episode 92. Say cheese. To see photos of Alice Gardner's camera, go to our website, kshs.org, and click on podcasts. If you are new to our podcast and would like to hear more, you can listen to every episode since our very first podcast in April of 2006 by going to our website, kshs.org, and clicking on podcasts. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Kansas Historical Society. Come back in two weeks when Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman tells us about a veterinarian's World War II uniform. That's right, we have the uniform of a vet vet. What's so special about this uniform? Join us in two weeks to find out. This podcast has been a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories. And everything looks worse in black and white. Code of